0: All right, First Corinthians chapter 15, I want to look at uh, about eight verses and then try to share some thoughts with you tonight. And I'm going to try my best to tie this to uh, the thought that we had last Wednesday night dealing with Isaiah. I hope, I pray, and I've been praying since last Wednesday night that I didn't go too deep and uh, trying to explain some things there with the book of Isaiah and the burden that Isaiah had for Babylon. Uh, sometimes I, I try not to go real deep, but I want you to get an understanding of what the Bible says, amen, so we can know some things and have some knowledge about future events as well as present-day events and things that happened in the past. And the uh, the burden that Isaiah had, uh, the Lord gave him, and uh, we talked about uh, in chapter 13 and 14 that burden, how it was present-day Babylon, and then how it was going to be futuristic uh, prophecy dealing with the... Uh, Babylon in Revelation 17 and 18. And so when we talked about that, that Babylon in 17 and 18 is not a nation, that is the world system. That same system is what we have in the world today. That same system is religious, it's commercial, and it's materialism, amen? And we still have that today, that same system. It gets worse after, when the tribulation starts, it gets a whole lot worse. Uh, But we can see that today sort of in the the way things are going, amen? Amen. Uh, everybody's after material possessions. Everybody works as hard to try to be rich. They leave God out of the equation just so they can have the money. That's, that's the system. Amen. Put God out and, and, and please flesh. That's the system. Uh, so anyway, whenever you think about that, study your Bibles when you're dealing with Revelation 17 and 18 and talking about Babylon. That is talking about the, the system. Right, It's not talking about a specific nation, but Isaiah had a burden for that because the Lord allowed him to have a vision to see what was going to happen in the future, and it broke his heart. It burdened him because so many are going for the religious system, so many are going for the commercial things, and and so many are going for the material things and leaving God out. That's why he had such a burden uh, for Babylon and for the nations that would come for the uh, time frame, that he was living in, and then for the future, whenever uh, people would turn from God. Now we know that people turn from God. People are still turning from God. Amen. And we know what ha- what happened and what caused all that. We talked about uh, Isaiah chapter fourteen, uh, where the Bible said, "O Lucifer, how art thou fallen!" And from the very beginning, God's intent was for man to tend the garden. Amen. Live without sin in the world uh, and tend the garden and do what was pleasing to the Lord. But we know that before Adam was ever created and Eve was ever created, there was one that fell whose name was Lucifer. We talked about that in Isaiah chapter 14. Lucifer fell from heaven. He was a cherub there in heaven, had everything he needed, but he got full of pride. And he says, God will not tell me what to do. And chapter 14 of Isaiah, he says, I will, I will. We talked about that five times. Lucifer said, I will. I'll exalt myself above the most high God. And so as I think about that for a little bit and, and re, try to remember that, I'm not going to try to re all that, uh, just trying to bring some things back to your memory. Isaiah teaches us what was going on Why way, had such a burden, and all that it falls back to the very beginning when Lucifer fell, sin entered into the world, pride entered into the world first, uh, then he introduced sin to man, and whenever Adam and Eve sinned, sin passed upon all man. Amen. Uh, Everybody's born a sinner, not because of what we do, because we're born in sin. Because sin entered into the world. When sin entered into the world, death entered into the world. Amen? Y'all remember that from last Wednesday night? Pray that you do. Uh, Whenever pride entered with the devil, when he brought pride down, then death entered whenever sin came along. He introduced Adam and Eve to pride. You can be as God. Did God really say that? Begin to mess God's words up. Amen? Try to twist them up to fit his agenda. And it worked. And so death came, whenever sin came, death came, amen, and every one of us is dying every day, amen, as, as much as we hate to admit that, we're all dying daily, that's the Bible, amen. Uh, we all like to live and, and, and never grow old, but I'm thankful there is a place, thank God, one day we'll, we won't grow old, Amen. And I love to sing that song, Never Grow Old, because I know one of these days I won't grow old. I'll I'll be in a place, amen. You'll be in a place if you're saved tonight, amen. We'll all be there in a place where we'll never grow old. Uh, But uh, until then, we're we're dying daily. We're all getting older. And there's some things that's that's encouraging as we read the Bible. The the Word of God should be to us, it should be our life, amen. That should be our bloodline. It should be what encourages us. It should be what directs us, what guides us. And uh, there's some encouraging words in the Bible, Amen. We talk about people who have died and people who are sick and may possibly die. And we know that the Bible says it's appointed unto man wants to die. Everybody has a date, Amen. We're going to. Some of us are going to go by the clouds. Some of us to go by the by the clouds, Amen. And I know that everybody's desire is that we all go in the rapture, Amen. God just call us home. Let's get out of here. I'm I'm ready for a better place, Amen. And so those are encouraging things as we think about Satan and we think about pride and we think about sin, we think about death. And I didn't want to leave you with that from last week. I know Brother Robert preached a great message on Sunday, uh, but me as your pastor, I I talked uh, from Isaiah. And as I go through that, I've mentioned it several times, and I want you to understand as we go through that, I don't want you to get discouraged. Amen? I don't want you to get down and, and start looking at all the, the drab and all the dull things about that, discouraging things about that, because it's very easy to do. You start looking at the burdens that Isaiah had, you'll get a burden too. If you're not careful, those burdens will discourage you, and you'll get down and you'll get to, to where you're distressed and you're depressed and you just don't want to do anything because I'm scared to death that I'm going to say something wrong or I'm going to do something wrong. That's not the way it's supposed to be. Amen? God intended for His children to preach the message, amen, to preach the gospel. They are sinners on their way to devil's hell. And as much as we get excited about the rapture coming and taking us home to glory, we ought to be just as excited about taking somebody with us, amen, Amen. and if they would hear the words of God and accept Him as their Savior, they won't be left behind, amen, and so we got a job to do, we got to be busy, we got to continue, amen, to study the Word of God, get some encouragement for the Word of God, and go do it again, go invite somebody else. It's easy when somebody tells you off, amen. And I had a guy tell me one day, he said, Preacher, I don't need none of that stuff. And I said, Really? I said, Why not? He said, I'm good enough. I said, Son, they ain't none good. I said, My Bible tells me, No, not one. He just kept walking. He said, I don't need none of that stuff. And I said, Well, one of these days you're going to wish you to listen to me. Amen. And I know we have people like that. We have days like that. But for us as believers, it's good sometimes just to get in the Word of God, study a little bit, let God speak to our hearts. And I hope tonight that that's what takes place. That's what I'm trying to do to get us encouraged in, in, the, in the Scripture, in the Word of God, because it's not all bad. Amen. Thank God there's a much better day on its way. There's a much better plan for the believer. Although Satan has messed up a lot of things and he's still messing up lives and ruining lives and ruining homes and ruining churches, there's still a positive to all of that. Amen. And we'll find that here tonight. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for the privilege you've given us to be in your house tonight. Thank you, Lord, for your love and for your grace, Lord, and for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege, God, you've given us to study the precious word of God. I pray, Lord, tonight for those that are not here. Lord, some are sick. Brother W.R. in the hospital. Lord, would you touch him if it be thy will? Raise him up. Father, we do pray if it's thy will. Lord, I pray to be with Miss Carolyn at home and encourage her heart and strengthen her, Father. Help her to build her strength back up. And for Miss uh, Wilma that's home, Father, with her uh, surgery on her eye, Brother Larry, and his surgery and things that they've had done. And then for Brother Thurman and Mr. Willie May being here tonight, thank you, Father, for them and the things that they've had to go through, the surgery that Brother Thurman went through. Thank you, Lord, for touching them and helping them, Lord, to heal. I do pray, Lord, for others that are sick. My grandbaby, Lord, tonight not feeling well sick on her stomach, pray that you be with her and, Lord, others. I pray that you just be with them. Father, we know there's many requests, and I pray God, you are the great physician. Lord, you do only that that you can do. Father, we do pray. Thank you for what you've done, what you're going to do. Have your will away now in the service. All that's said and done. Well, thank you, Father. And praise you for it. In Jesus' love name we ask these things, amen and amen. Uh, uh, First Corinthians chapter number 15, I want to begin looking in verse number 50. First Corinthians 15 verse 50, the Bible says, now this I say, brethren, notice he's talking to the brethren to say, the born again, amen, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption." Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, verse 52, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Many times we read over that verse of Scripture, but I'm going to try to break it down for us tonight and hope it will be a blessing and a help to you. The latter part of verse 52 says, After the dead is raised incorruptible, now they was buried corruptible. Amen. They're going to be raised incorruptible. And then the Bible says, And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption... And this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written. Death is swallowed up in victory. Now, if you want to jot this down, you can. Isaiah 25, verse number 8. Isaiah says that. that, 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 He says it has been written. It shall come to pass the saying that is written. And Isaiah wrote that. Death is swallowed up in victory. Isaiah 25, verse 8. Oh, death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of the law, or strength of sin is the law. But, hallelujah, you ought to write hallelujah after where word says but. <laughs> Amen. The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us, us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know what that means? That means we're not losers. (laughs) Whoop, goes right there. Amen. We're not losers tonight, we're victors. It gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 58, the Bible says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That's verse 53, verse 58. Now, I want to try to help us tonight and understand some things about this passage of Scripture. I said in the very beginning there that the devil said, I will. I will. Five times he said, I will. I'm going to show you what God said in First Corinthians. You're about to shout. I can tell you already. You're getting warmed up for it. Whenever I tell you and show you this, you're going to shout. I promise you. Amen. The devil has some power, but he don't have all power, amen? He, he tries to, to corrupt, he tries to destroy, but thank God, God put it in his word, things that will encourage. So we look at this uh, passage of scripture, and Paul, of course, again, in verse 50, is writing to the brethren, he's writing to those that are saved, uh, and he tells us that flesh and blood cannot, it cannot uh, inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. And he begins to, to, to help us to understand that must be before you and, I, you and I can get to heaven, there must be a change. Amen. Flesh and blood is not going to enter into the gates of the kingdom and gates of heaven. Amen. There must be a change that takes place. And he begins to describe some of that. But before we get into that, notice with me, if you would, in verse 52, I mean, 51, he says, Behold, that means listen close. Uh, Jesus said, Verily, verily, many times. That means listen, listen. Paul says, as he's writing to the church at Corinth, he says, "Behold," which means listen close. I show you a mystery. Now, mystery—that word, mystery—is a revelation that was not given in previous times. All right, it's a mystery. I want you to understand me tonight. As Isaiah was writing, as a lot of the prophets of old was writing, the church age was a mystery. They didn't understand all of that. They knew what God had told them to pin down. They knew that God gave them visions. Some of the visions that they wrote, they didn't even understand what they was writing. But they were inspired of the Holy Ghost, and God inspired them to write those things down, and they pinned those words, amen, being a letter of the Holy Ghost to God. That's why our Bible is so precious, amen. Some of the things that were said, they didn't understand. So the the, the church age, what we're living in now being the church age dispensation There's been a time out from Israel, God dealing with Israel, and he provoked them to jealousy by opening the doors to the Gentiles. That's where we come in. Amen. Since Jesus Christ died upon the cross, came to this earth, died for our sins, that opened the door when Jesus said, I will build my church. So the church age started when Jesus was here on this earth and started to build his church. So that's a mystery now to those in the Old Testament. They don't know anything about the church age. It doesn't make sense to them. They couldn't explain all those things that's going to take place. But Paul now is the apostle that God had spoke to and he says, I'm going to show you a mystery. Amen. Paul says in, the, in several passages of scripture uh, that he now knows or has an understanding of these things. All right. So he says here that I will show you a mystery and a mystery is something that was uh, it's a revelation that wasn't given in previous times, but it has been given in a present time. Amen. And so Paul says, I have something to tell you. Romans, he wrote this in the book of Romans chapter 16, verse 25 and 26. Paul said about a mystery. It is something which was kept secret since the world began, but is made manifest. So, as Paul's writing to the church at Rome, he said the, the mystery of the church had been kept secret, uh, but now through Paul it's been made manifest, brought to light, brought out, so everybody can understand what the church age is all about. Is everybody with me so far? Amen. First Corinthians 15 is a revelation of the rapture. Now, I preached the other week and I said that there is a, it was a statement made that, that there's the rapture and there's religion, or there's a religion. In the Bible, there's no word relationship, and I, I used that and said and talked and preached the message on the relationship of the Bible. You don't find that word relationship. Neither do you find the word rapture, but I'm gonna show you tonight, the principle is all there, amen? So what the mystery is that Paul is talking about to the church age, the mystery is the revelation of the rapture, amen? And it's on its way, amen? Uh, and particularly the instant glorification of the living saints, the Bible said there that we shall be changed. The dead in Christ will rise first, and we which are alive and remain. First Thessalonians chapter number 4 talks about we which are alive and remain shall meet them in the air. And so Paul is talking about we shall, the dead in Christ is going to go first, and those that are alive, those that are left, we shall be instantaneously changed. And only God can do that. Amen. Amen. Only God can do that. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, that's going to be fast. Amen. But so, as we look at this, the, we see that the, the revelation, the mystery is, that's given to Paul, that's given to the church, is the, the revelation of the rapture of the church, and in particularly, the instant glorification of the living saints at the rapture. No corruption can enter heaven. Flesh and blood cannot enter heaven. There must be a change. That change is going to be immediate. Amen? Immediate. I know that we see pictures of people flying through the air And cars all over the, the roadway Y'all seen that picture of the rapture I don't know that it's going to be like that There may be some cars all over the highway But I don't know we're going to see people flying through the air <laughs> We're going to meet the Lord in the air And the Bible says in a moment In the twinkling of an eye That's going to be fast Amen I don't know That's just man-made's idea But you know It's okay to use those things To try to help people understand that the rapture's coming But I don't believe it's going to be that way I think it's going to be so fast They're going to wonder where'd everybody go Amen And then the fact there's no blood left behind, whoop, amen. Now, I saw somebody driving those cars over there, but ain't nobody in them. There ain't no blood. You can't follow no trail. There ain't nothing there. They're just gone. Hallelujah. That's just what God said, amen. Now, the rapture, I'm going to talk about the rapture, and i try to help you with the rapture. i got 15 minutes to get it done in. The, the rapture is a twofold event of resurrection. Now, I know you all know that. You understand that. It's it's twofold because the dead will be resurrected. Amen. The dead in Christ are going to go first, so there's one. Then there's the transformation of the living. Hallelujah. We're going to be transformed. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52, the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. The rapture is also described in First Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 and 17. Here's what the Bible says there. The Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, and with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first, then we which are alive and, and remain shall be called up together with them in the clouds. There's the rapture, called up, amen, that's the rapture, and with them Uh, In the clouds to meet the Lord in the air And so shall we ever be with the Lord Hallelujah Amen What a blessing Now the rapture will happen as the Bible says In a moment and the twinkling of an eye That word moment It it means that the rapture will occur suddenly There'll be no warning There'll be no trumpet sound That that the world hears We'll hear the trumpet of God Amen But the world's not going to hear it now, some people get confused about that. God's calling his children home. Amen. It's not going to be no warning. There's not going to be any flash in the sky. There's not going to be anything that the sinner who has rejected the Lord, who has rejected the word of God, there's not going to be anything for them to have an opportunity to run and get ready right fast. It's not going to happen that way. Amen. It's, it's the moment there's no warning. There's no opportunity for further preparation. It is an event that must be prepared for before it happens. Amen. We prepare for the rapture by salvation. Amen. And of course by service. We're getting ready. Amen. We're saved. That's glorious. Hallelujah. Then we serve so we can receive rewards when we get there because we're going to be judged at the bema seat. Amen. And so that's why we serve. All right. So the rapture will happen at a at a at a moment at the last trump. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 16 says this, and I'm going to read it to you again. For the Lord shall, dis- shall the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout. And I want to back up and hit this real quickly. The Lord's not sending an angel. Amen. He's not sending Gabriel. He's not sending Michael. He's not sending nobody. The Bible says the Lord himself. You know why that is? Because he's coming to get his bride, which is the church. Amen. So he himself is coming, and he's going to descend from heaven with a shout. Hallelujah! With the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Now, the trumpet that will sound at the rapture of the church-age saints is not the same trumpet that is read about and taught about in the book of Revelation. Those trumpets in Revelation is dealing with judgment. God in the rapture is not judging the bride. Amen. Is everybody with me? I hope everybody already knows that and understands that. It's pretty elementary, I believe, but some people might not understand that. But the trumpet, whenever the rapture takes place, God is not dealing with the world in judgment and not going to sound a trumpet and judge the world. That trump of God is for the church. That's for the brethren. Amen. And we'll hear that. All right. It's not the trumpets for judgments on the world. It's not the trumpets in reference to Israel. The church is not a part of those programs. The church is in a group all by itself. Amen. The church's last trump is when she, the bride, shall finally be assembled together with the group. Hallelujah. Amen. There is no basis for post. Tribulationists comparing this trumpet with the seventh trumpet of Revelation chapter eleven, verse fifteen through nineteen. Throw that in there for all who's listening by all social media. There's no basis in the Bible for post tribulation. We don't believe in that. Amen. The trumpets in Revelation pertain to judgments during the tribulation period. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse fifty two, is that trump is related to the church age. Amen. Alright? Only the church, I believe, will be the ones to hear that trumpet. The world's not going to hear it. Only the church is going to hear it. It's going to be a shout from the Lord himself, and the trumpet's going to sound, and we're out of here. Amen. We shall be changed. It's what the Bible says. We shall be changed, for this corruptible shall put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. It must. It's an absolute have to. Amen. Incorruptible means that the resurrected body or the resurrection body will be incapable of sickness, of decay, of disease. Hallelujah. Amen. It it will not be capable, the incorruptible body will not be capable of disease, sickness, decay, or any of those things. Immortal means that it is incapable of dying. Amen. Amen. So that body that is resurrected, hallelujah, out of the ground will never die. It'll never get sick. It'll never get old. It'll never decay. Amen. Hallelujah. And so the mortal or immortality, those uh, that are raised that are changed, those bodies are not capable of dying. Praise the Lord. The Bible says, "shall be raised, those uh, we shall be changed." And we shall be raised We shall be changed And God What, what that means is The shall be's Shall be raised and shall be changed Means that God's going to do it Shall be Amen Not maybe be Not could be Not possibly be But the Bible says Shall be It's, it's an absolute Amen Anytime you read that word shall That's an absolute Absolute means it's going to happen Amen It's going to happen So the rapture we know is sure It is a sure thing Amen Verse number 49, the Bible says, As we have borne the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. Incorruptible. Immortal. Hallelujah. Now this I say, brethren, verse 50, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. And so he's showing us this mystery of the rapture. And for some people, it's it's hard for them to understand how the rapture is going to take place. And they, they battle that because they try to figure it out in their mind how this works. I just believe the Word of God. Amen. God said, you shall be changed. Amen? And we'll be changed. How's that going to happen? I don't know. God's going to do it. He made these bodies. He can change these bodies if He wants to. <laughs> Amen. So the rapture is as sure as God's Word. Let, let me share this with you. That word shall is repeated five times in this passage. He says, we shall also, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly. We shall be changed. The trumpet shall sound. It will sound. Amen. It shall. The dead shall be raised and we shall be changed. So five times he used the word shall. Five is the number of grace. Hallelujah. God's going to do what God said he's going to do by his grace. Grace equals power. God has the power. Amen. The rapture is is cause for praise unto God. Amen. Death is swallowed up in victory. This amazing passage that we read here on the resurrection ends with a passionate note of praise unto God. Paul gives the church, he's writing to them, gives them the the revelation of this mystery and explains to them what's going to take place, that the Lord's going to send from heaven. Amen. He's going to send with a shout. Trumpet's going to sound. The dead Christ is going to rise. And those that are alive and remain, we're going to meet them in the air and we'll be forever with the Lord. We're out of here. Hallelujah. Paul explains that and he says, when you understand that, you get, you get this, <laughs> you understand the shall be's, it's going to take place. This is the sure word of God. It should inspire us to praise the Lord. Amen. It should inspire us to praise the Lord. Now I mentioned earlier about Satan, Lucifer said, I will, how many times? Five. Five times. What did God say to the church? You shall be, you shall be, hallelujah. You shall be changed. You shall be raised. You shall be incorruptible. You shall be mortal. Amen. So God is the victor here. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 54, Paul cites again Isaiah chapter 25 verse number 8. He will swallow up death and victory. Isaiah chapter 25 verse 1 through 12 is the prophecy of the destruction of the present Gentile kingdoms and the establishment of God's kingdom. That's what you read in chapter twenty-five, and I'm not going to go to there tonight because we'll go through chapter twenty-five when we get to chapter twenty-five, and we're not too far away. So I'll save that. But it is a prophecy of the destruction of the present Gentile kingdoms and the establishment of Christ's kingdom. Isaiah there speaks of death swallowed up in the future tense. All right, again, Isaiah's pinning it. Isaiah don't understand it. Inspired of the Holy Ghost, he says death will be swallowed up in victory. He's writing those words, Isaiah chapter 25. Paul now, when Paul is speaking of this, Paul is speaking in in an action that is going to take place. It's not past tense, but it's something that's going to take place. Amen? It's going to happen. It's, It's something he understood. I hope that makes sense to you. Isaiah didn't understand it when he wrote it down, but Paul understood it. And he's he's given us the the explanation and the understanding through the word of God. Paul makes reverence also to Hosea chapter 13, verse 14. He says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. I will redeem them from death. Oh, death, I will be thy plague. (laughs) Listen close to what he says in Hosea 13, 14. God says, I will ransom them from the power of the grave. God says, I will, <laughs> whoop, I'm about ready to shout. <laughs> I will re- redeem them from death. O death, I will be thy plague. Then he says, O grave, I will be thy destruction. How many times is that? Did y'all count them? Hallelujah. Amen. Repentance shall be hid from thine eyes. So here in Hosea 13, 14, God promises to, re- to ransom Israel from the power of the grave. And he would do that by himself becoming death's plagues. God himself has paid the full penalty for sin which was required by the law. He paid the debt so he can say, I will redeem them from the grave. Amen. I will. I will be thy plagues, O death. I will be thy destruction. Hallelujah. Paul proudly addresses death in the grave. He personifies them as if they were alive and pronounces victory over them. Death and grave have held sway over mankind for over 6,000 years, ever since sin entered into the world. And sin was entered in by man, and so ever since then, death by, uh, because of sin, there's death and it's been here ever since, but now Paul is saying, listen, there's a victory coming. (laughs) Whoop, there's a victory coming. Romans chapter 5, verse 17, he was talking about the, the sway that death had over mankind for over 6,000 years. He said, By one man's offense, death reigned. Speaking of Adam, ever since then, death has reigned. One by one, the descendants of Adam have lived their short lives and been carried away by death in numerous and, and terrible forms. It's been carried away in death. Amen. Some's died from cancer, some dies from COVID. Some died from uh, car wrecks. Some died from airplane crash. I mean, just all different forms. Man from generation to generation, numerous ways has been carried away by death. Stay with me. We live our lives with the certainty that death is coming. Amen. Death is waiting in the wings. I don't know when it's going to happen. You don't know when it's going to happen. But we know, we know that death is coming. Amen. We're leaving this world. One way or another, we're leaving here. It's coming. In this revelation of the resurrection, Paul sees the end of death after we're taken away from here. At the end of death, and Paul is overjoyed. He's overwhelmed by what he sees. There's immortality. There's no corruption. There's no disease. There's no. Paul sees all that, And he's overexcited, amen, he's overjoyed. And death has no victory. And the grave has no victory, amen. The sting of death, the Bible says, the sting of death is sin. Death is the wages or the payment for sin. Romans chapter six, verse 23, we all know that passage of scripture. I hope we all do anyway, probably heard it all over life. Christ took the sting of death upon himself in our place. Amen. When a believer dies and leaves this world by going by the grave, there's no sting of death. I've heard many accounts, I've heard many stories of lost individuals who die a terrible death and literally scream at the last moment of their life. I know some that screamed, I need something to drink. I've heard some that has screamed, please put the fire out. I've heard, I've heard of some, I've heard of stories that some would cry and scream, My feet are on fire. My feet are on fire. And I've heard those stories. You know what that is? That's the sting of death. For the unbeliever, there's a sting. Amen? It's still there. But for the believer, hallelujah. God had sent Jesus Christ to die and take away our sins. But he didn't only just take away our sins, he took away the sting of death. Hallelujah. That's why I was laying on the hospital bed, had no idea what was fixing to happen, but I wasn't scared because there was no sting to worry about. Amen. That ought to just excite the mess out of. Say, man, not only am I saved, but whenever I die, it's not going to sting. Amen. It's been removed. Christ took that upon Himself for me and for you. The Bible says the strength of sin. The strength of sin is the law. Romans chapter 4 verse 15 the Bible says Where no law is There is no, no transgression Romans 5 13 says Sin is not imputed where there is no law If there had never been a law Man would never have known there was sin Amen There had to be a law so man could know there was sin Alright is everybody with me Sin is not imputed where there is no law 1 John 3 4 the Bible says Sin is the transgression of the law So there had to be a law for us to know they were sin. The law of God brings guilt, Romans chapter 3, verse 19. And it also brings curse, Galatians chapter 3, verse 10. Christ, the Bible says, hath redeemed us. (laughs) Whoop! I'm just going to shout myself. Y'all don't have to worry about it. Amen. (laughs) Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. There's no curse, amen? There's no curse, there's no sting of death, and the strength of sin is the law, and Christ hath redeemed us from that curse of the law being made the curse for us. Hallelujah. So that ought also help us to give thanks unto God, amen? Give thanks, Paul does that. Paul says, "Then thanks be unto God. It is God alone who has wrought salvation for fallen sinners. It's all of God. God is it's all God. He did this. He planted it. He carried it out. Man has done nothing and man can do nothing. Amen. It's all by 100% grace of God. Amen. Hallelujah. The victory, the Bible says, in this passage of scripture, is through our Lord Jesus Christ. How do you get to heaven? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. How do you get the sting of death off of you whenever you die? Through the Lord Jesus Christ. <laughs> Whoop. How do you get the curse of sin off of you? Amen. Through the Lord Jesus Christ. He nailed all that to the cross. Amen. The Father sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. 1 John four fourteen. He is Lord. He is Jesus the Savior. He is Christ the Anointed One. Amen. Hallelujah. Anointed of God. He is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. He is ours. He is the Lord Jesus Christ for all who receive the gospel. God's no respecter of persons. You want to do a good Bible study? Use that phrase, respect of persons. Study that. It'll bless your blesser. Amen. One of these days, I am going to preach that. Amen. The revelation of victory over death that, that Paul has given us shows the glory of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it also shows the glory of the Bible that reveals it. Amen. I don't know what I'd do without my Bible. Amen. I wouldn't know these things. You wouldn't know these things. Non-Christian religions do not offer such a victory. They don't have what we have. They don't offer what we have. Amen. Amen. Human philosophy does not understand death and has no victory over it. Sigmund Freud, I don't know if y'all know who that is. I know my wife does. Sigmund Freud. He wrote this down. He was the founder of psychiatry. Okay, he's a little cuckoo, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, he's a lot cuckoo. But anyway, here's what he said. He, he pinned these words, all right? And finally, there is the painful riddle of death for which no remedy at all has yet been found, nor probably ever will be. You know what Sigmund Freud's problem was? He never read the Bible. He never read the word of God. God said, you shall be. Amen. There's no there's no sting. There's no, and all that. Amen. There's victory for those that are saved. So Sigmund Freud didn't read the Bible. He says there's, there's no remedy for that or no, nor possibly ever will be. Pagan religions do not offer victory over death. They offer only an uncertain or vague hope through works and rituals. Rub these beads, say this after me, repeat this, recite this. Amen. It's all they offer. <laughs> only through the Bible can we understand the cause of death and where man goes after death and how to have certain victory over death. And all of that is through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Boy, I, I sure... You're not supposed to say wish, but I wish. <laughs> I would, the Bible uses that, kind of means the same thing. I would that every sinner could understand this. Not only is it, is it you're being freed from the bondage of sin, but you're also being freed from the sting of death, from the curse of the law, and you will live forever with the Lord. What a victory. Amen. What a victory. Nothing in this world can offer that. The, Rev- the rapture explains how that flesh and blood will inherit the kingdom of God and how that corruption will inherit incorruption. The Corinthians thought they were already, listen now, they thought they was already in the kingdom. Right? They thought there was already in the king. Let me, let me back up and read this for you. First Corinthians chapter 4, and I'm, I'm going to hurry, I promise. I'm going to hurry. I say that all the time, and I really try to hurry. First Corinthians chapter 4, verse uh, number 5, the Bible says, Therefore, judge nothing before the time until the Lord come, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness, and will make manifest the counsels of the hearts, And then shall every man have praise of God. And these things, brethren, I have in a a figure transferred uh, to myself and to Apollos for your sakes, that ye might learn in us not to think of men above that which is written that no one of you be puffed up for one against another. For who maketh thee to differ from another? And what hast thou that thou didst not receive? Now, if thou didst receive it, Why dost thou glory as if thou hadst not received it? Verse eight, now you're full, now you're rich. You have reigned as kings without us. And I would to God, ye did reign that we also might reign with you. So what Paul is saying in that passage of scriptures to the Corinthians that you're not living in the kingdom of God right now. You're not there yet. You're still alive. You're still in your human flesh. Your sorry rotten flesh, amen, cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So he's trying to explain that because of the underlying uh, problem causing the denial of the resurrection, it was a view of their present earthly body as already fit to enter the kingdom. That's what they thought. Paul expressed his thought in two ways. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Did, did any of you think of this? Did you think that that you could enter the kingdom of God? Yes, they thought they could. Amen. They thought they could. That's why he had to, to deal with that. Uh, chapter 4, verse 5 and 8 indicates that. Their problem... With the resurrection, seem to indicate an already in the kingdom attitude. There's, there's some legends today that teach that the kingdom of God's going to be here on this earth. Amen. And there's no hell, and this is going to be heaven. And that's the Jehovah's Witnesses, by the way. <laughs> they think they're going to live here. I've got news for them. They need to read the Bible. Amen. This earth, this world's going to be destroyed. Amen. I'm going to get into all that. But here we see that the Corinthians thought they was already living in the kingdom. So the rapture is a source of great encouragement and motivation to godly Christians in our service for the Lord. The latter part of that chapter 15, therefore, my beloved brethren, remember the word therefore, what's it therefore? Because what Paul just revealed to us in the mystery of the rapture he give us that revelation that God had given him and explained it to us. This is what's going to happen. This is how it's going to take place. There's no sting. There's no curse. God's going to do this. It shall happen. God said, I will. Amen. So that encourages us. And Paul says, because of all of this, therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Why do you come to church on a stormy Wednesday night? My brethren, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Amen. As long as it's in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. Amen. And when it comes to service for the Lord, the rapture is a very important doctrine. Amen. Bible prophecy is not given to just enlighten the intellect or to satisfy our interest in the future. It is given to sanctify to help us to rejoice in what God's going to do for us and then be busy about trying to win somebody else and teach somebody else what thus saith the word of God. The doctrine of the rapture is to motivate God's people to stay awake spiritually and to stay busy. It's amazing how many people are spiritually asleep. They love the Lord, they're saved, but spiritually they're asleep, they're not doing anything. Amen? And we're working trying try to invite as many folks as we can. And we're going to do a whole lot more real soon because we're just about done with the parking lot. We get the gutters on. We're going to get busy. Amen. We've been working trying try to get some things done. I've been patiently praying and waiting on God to, to get the parking lot fixed up. He's got a place to park. Everything's coming together. Now we're going to get real busy. Got a few amens. Amen. But well, I can only get a few, amen, so there's only a few here. <laughs> but we're gonna get busy, amen. We're gonna we're gonna start doing some things and trying to bring people to the church. Now we're not gonna do anything. It's not script, amen. But we're gonna get busy. And we need to stay busy in the work of of preaching the gospel to lost souls before it's too late. Amen? We need to reach them. We've got to reach them. That's our responsibility. The doctrine of the rapture is repeated throughout the New Testament, and it must be taught and emphasized in every church. That's why we're preaching it here. Brother Kevin preaches it at his church. Brother Clinton preaches it at his church. And every church that we ever uh, represent or missionaries that we send them out, every one of them, they're obligated if we support them to believe what we believe and to preach the same thing. Amen? to preach that, to encourage those people that's on the field and those that come to know Christ through the missionaries. Paul addresses the beloved brethren. One must be saved, of course, to, to receive these promises. Be ye. This is a command. My beloved brethren, be ye. That's that's individual and that is a command. That's for every believer. It is a command to be doing something and, and it, is, it is a continuous, repeated action it doesn't say do it one time and quit. Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Those things we must do. Steadfast, unmovable. Steadfast is translated settled. Colossians chapter one, verse 23, same word, means same thing. The believer is to remain perfectly settled in their faith in Christ, like sitting down in a chair, refusing to move, amen, just settled. Y'all settled, amen? Everybody's settled in their seat. That's what steadfast means. I'm settled, I'm settled in my faith. I know what I believe, amen? I know what God's taught me in, my, in the Word of God, in my Bible. I know that. I'm settled in that. As steadfast, a believer has to be steadfast in God's Word and God's truth and God's will and God's promises. We have to be steadfast in those things. I believe God said it, amen, and meant what He said. I'm settled. Steadfast describes the believer's commitment to Christ and His will. We must be committed and we must be settled. Amen. I'm committed to preach the gospel until God calls me home. Amen. Or I lose all my strength and ain't able to do it. I'm committed. Amen. And you know I'm committed. I had a heart attack three weeks later and back in the pulpit. I'm committed. Amen. God give me strength. I'm going to keep preaching the gospel. If there ain't nobody here but me, I'm going to preach the gospel. Amen. Amen. God's, God's give me that, that uh, uh, calling upon my life and I have to be committed to it. Why would I not be after what He's told me and showed me that He's done for me? Amen. Christ was committed; He was settled; He was steadfast. I must do the will of my Father, and He did that. So we we need to do the same thing. All right. So this is encouragement to the believer. I got to hurry. Unmovable describes the believer's determined resistance to every force that would move them out of God's will. Resistance to anything and everything that would move us out of God's will. Amen. Amen. Somebody comes over to visit on a Sunday morning. Get there before time to leave, and go to church. The devil's is trying to force you to move away from his will to miss the house of God. Somebody comes over on Sunday evening. Amen. You come to my house on Sunday evening. You can come to my house on Sunday evening, but at five o'clock you're out because I'm out. Amen. You can go with me or you can sit there in the yard and I get back. But I'm going to the house of God. Amen. That's just the way it is. Now, listen. Now, the, the, the world and the devil and our flesh finds reasons to be movable. There's many people not here tonight. Some of them are sick. I understand that. But some has been moved. Some has been moved by the weather. Amen. On Sunday, amen, there'll be some moved by something else. That's just the way it is. But God tells the believer in our commitment we're to be determined to the resistance of everything that takes us away from the will of God. All right, moving on. Uh, The seditions of the world, the attacks of the devil, the lies of false teachers, persecution, suffering, discouragement, fear, all those things. I don't have time to preach all that. The words (laughs) steadfast, unmovable, mean nearly the same thing and are repeated by way of importance. So he uses those words, which mean the same thing. He used them twice. Every time the Lord wanted to get your attention, he said it, verily, verily, listen, listen, amen. So it's repeated here again two different times because it's important. Great many saints have been steadfast and unmovable. There's Noah, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, a whole bunch of people through the Bible, Peter, James, Paul, Timothy. A lot of people have been, been steadfast, amen. And you know as you read the Bible what they went through and some of the... Uh, the hurdles that they had to go through and jump over and the trials and tribulations, all those things, David and some of the things he had to go through and Elijah, the things they went through, but yet they were steadfast in their faith. They put their faith in God and were never moved away from that. That's what Paul says that we ought to be, steadfast and move. On the other hand, there were many in the scriptures that were not steadfast. I give an example. There's Lot who was not steadfast. Amen. He looked at the well watered plains of Jordan instead of praying and following the Lord. Amen, there's, there's demons. The Bible says, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, there's demons who love this present world. Paul said, he's no longer with me. Amen, he wasn't steadfast, he wasn't settled. Uh, there's many others. Esau was moved away from the will of God for a bowl of soup. Don't take much. It don't take much. Always abounding the work of the Lord. The Christian life is not just standing in faith and not being moved. It is being busy in the work of the Lord. It is a great work. Amen. It is a great work for God in this present world. Every child of God has his part in it. Isn't it glorious when someone accepts Christ as their Savior and you had something to do with that? Amen. Uh, let, me, let me help you tonight just a little bit. They might not get saved here, but through the month of August, we preached. 1,300 souls heard the messages. Through the month of August, we reached 1,300 people. That's how many downloads we had through Sermon Audio. We might not have 1,300 people here, but the message went to 1,300 people out there. I have no idea. We have no idea how many souls may have gotten saved. Amen? We have no idea of that. Then there's the missionaries that we support. We send them out to the field and and to preach the gospel. There's souls being saved. Amen? You get, that goes toward our account. Amen? That goes to our account. We had something to do with that. So we rejoice in that. Listen, we might not can go to those places, but we pray for those that are there. That's, That's a work of the ministry. Amen. Your prayer time and praying for missionaries is the work of the ministry. You pray and you pray for the missionaries and pray to God to give them words to say, and give them strength and protect them. And all those things come together. Don't have time to preach all about missions tonight, but that's how it's worked. It's a work of the ministry. Amen. And we're all working to, to spread the goodness of the gospel. And every child of God has a part in that. I can't go, but I can pray. Amen. I can't go, but I can give so they can get there. Amen. All right. There's good, and there's acceptable, and there's the perfect will of God, Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. These are the works, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We should walk in those works, spreading the good news of the gospel. There's the praying work, the worship work, the church work, the sowing work, the homemaking work, the fathering work, the mothering work, raising their children right, parenting work. The works of holiness, the works of separation, the works of compassion, the works of edifying the brethren, lifting each other up. Many other works that's not spelled out in New Testament Scripture that you can probably think of yourself, but there's much we can do. There's an ambassador... Work in the preaching of the gospel. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty. There's a work building up the church. Ephesians chapter four, verse sixteen. That's what we're here to do: build up the church. Amen. There are spiritual gifts and ministries to be exercised according to Romans chapter twelve, verse three, 3 through eight. There's the priestly work. First Peter chapter two, verse five. Note the words "always abounding." Every saint is to always, always be engaged in the work of the Lord. Amen. Not part-time, not once in a while. The Bible says always, always abounding. Every saint is to be abounding in the work of the Lord. This is opposite of being lazy. Y'all say amen right there. Amen. It's the opposite of being lazy. God didn't say be a lazy Christian, go when you feel like it. Ain't what God said. God said always abounding, not forsaken, dissembling. Amen. I talked to the gentleman the other night. I talked for two hours on the phone and he says, why do you got to go to church? Why, why is everybody all about going to church? I said, because the Bible tells me so. <laughs> Amen? Not forsaken. There's there's true discipleship. Christ did not take the sting of death, purchase salvation so that the redeemed could continue to live their lives for themselves. He didn't do that for, for that reason. Amen? Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. I'm almost done. Hang in there. Who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. Amen. We do what we do because he did what he did. Amen. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, it's a great encouragement, and it's encouraged multitudes of the saints that have walked through this sin-cursed world that God's work is the only work in this world that is a guaranteed success. Ain't that a blessing? Only work in this world that is a guaranteed success. And you know what else? He wrote that guarantee down. Amen? And J.T. just happened to step out, but he had his truck worked on and he's now having some more problems with it. You know what we found out? Ain't no guarantee. Sorry, buzzards. We're going to have a word or two before it's all over because I'm going to make some phone calls. But listen, we found there's no guarantee. They don't want to stand behind it. There's not a work in this world that's guaranteed except the Lord's work. Amen? It is guaranteed and it is signed by the the uh, author, amen, the beginner of our faith. Labor in Christ is not in vain because it is blessed of God in this present life and, is, and there's an eternal reward. It is uh, sanctified in Christ and therefore acceptable to God no matter what happens, how things look, just keep believing God's word, just keep serving him, remain steadfast and do not be moved. Songwriter wrote the song, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. I shall not be, I shall not be moved. Just like a tree that's planted by the waters, I shall not be moved. Amen. That ought to be our song. It ought to have a song in your heart. That ought to be our song. Amen. Shall not be moved. You can't persuade me. You're not going to persuade me. Somebody made the comment to me today. Now, it kind of run up one side and down the other. Now, I tried to be holy and righteous and not tell them what I thought about them. <laughs> They made the comment and said, Your church will never do for you what your company can do for you. Boy, that, I mean that just hit me wrong. It went up one side and down the other, and I had to bite my tongue. So Lord help me. I don't I don't want to lose my testimony, but I didn't like that. Amen. And I said, Let me tell you this. My company will never do for me what my church has already done for me. Amen. He said, What do you mean by that? He said, You can't make what you make there, you can't make what make there what you make here. I said, I'm not in this thing for the money sign. I said, But my retirement there it's a whole lot better than what it is here. What do you mean by that? And I said, I don't have time to explain it all to you. <laughs> but my rewards are heavenly. Amen. But people try to encourage us to move away from what we're doing. And that was trying to persuade me to give up what I do for the Lord, spend my focus and focus all my time and energy on that stinking business. That business, one of these days, is going to burn up. Amen. And every penny and every dime they got, it's going to burn. Thank God that I've got promises that God give me. I'm not going to burn. <laughs> amen. Amen. I'm not going to burn, and I'm not going to feel no sting, and I'm not going to feel no curse. Hallelujah. I'm going to be changed in a moment of twinkling of an eye. Amen. Ain't that a blessing? I hope it's an encouragement to you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, tonight.